0: bless you sir bless you let's open to proverbs chapter 22 reading from verse 28 Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. That's the word of exhortation that um, the man Solomon gave to Israel and is in line with the instruction. God gave true Moses to the children of Israel, as recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14. This instruction is for you and for me, it's for the church, it's for us today. Remove not the ancient landmark. And our discussion this morning is on the gospel landmark. The gospel landmark. And one would want to ask what is landmark? landmark can be an important building. A historic building it can also be an object or monument. It is also the boundary that separates properties like the properties of the children and location they gave to the 12 tribes of Israel. Landmarks helps to locate and um, define a place, a city, a country, a church, or institution For example the Senate building in Unilag for those that are familiar with that structure any time you see it maybe in a newspaper or on the screen without having time to look at the background story you conclude the story is about University of Lagos because that senate building is unique only in University of Lagos. Another example we can set is the Palace of Westminster. Remember that structure. It's uh, contained the Houses of Parliament, and also the Big Ben. We have been reading about the Big Ben, even though we've not been to UK or whatever. We've been seeing it in, in, in picture from school. We learn about Big Ben. It's an iconic building. It's been there for many centuries. To define the culture and civilization of the British people yeah. is a landmark building. Another landmark example we want to also set before we leave that stage is the Statue of Liberty. Here you just see the hand up And you make no mistake, you know that that is New York, United States. And we can talk of a lot of other landmarks all over. All these are uh, physical landmarks. They are physical landmarks. One feature about physical landmarks is that they can be destroyed yes a physical landmark can be destroyed either by construction of road highways or other projects or by climate change can destroy physical landmark or other phenomenon but the spiritual landmark would stand. We have the responsibility to claim and protect our own landmarks. In this church, there are landmarks that were created by our leaders of old. These are landmarks based in the Word of God, the Bible. And we have to keep it. We have to maintain it. We will not allow anything to come and cause problems. In those landmarks, the resurrection proclamation as recorded in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 is that all power, all power is given to Jesus. And the command that follows in verse 19 is that, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the Holy Ghost. Look carefully in verse 20. Verse 20. He said, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he said, Lo, I am with you always. That is the instruction. We have said that the doctrines of the Bible are the gospel landmark. And Paul, in trying to guide Timothy, told him to take special uh, attention about the doctrine. Let's open to 1st Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. It said, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. There are satanic forces, both from within and outside that will want to change or, if possible, uproot the landmarks. They may confuse issues and cause you to lose your bearing. But we have the responsibility to resist with prayers and purpose in hearts to maintain the gospel landmark. Jesus gave the instruction from that portion we read. He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we've come in here, we listen, we've said for some days we're going to cover two weeks sitting together And sharpening ourselves. And then we will have time to go out. And so when we go out. What are we going to teach? We won't teach our own. We won't teach other people's doctrines. But we shall teach whatsoever we have been commanded. As contained in the word of God. Our fathers of old, our fathers in faith, handed to us the doctrines of the Bible as taught by the apostolic faith. We, we are very fortunate. We have wonderful heritage. And so, we have to hold it tenaciously. And God helping us, we shall hand the same over to the coming generation. Amen. If Jesus tarries. Amen. If we compromise the standard, it will have uh, a multiplying effect on the coming generation why because if we move one in their own time they may move two or three and the resultant effects would be that at some point in time apostolic faith would only exist by name the substance would be lost and you say God forbid Amen. and I too say God forbid Amen. may God help us to so uphold and keep to the old landmines Amen. at this point we want to look at some of these landmines the first one we want to talk about is The transformation of life. You call it recreation. If you don't mind, it's justification by faith in the blood of Jesus. Let us read Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew, false, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In another portion of the Bible it said, the just shall live by his faith. There is inherent power in the gospel to change and transform life. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. It's that like when he's saved, he takes take them out of sin you don't have salvation and your life uh, continue business as usual. You are into the same calls you have been. You say you are saved. No, 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 no. no. The very salvation comes into you. Who, there's going to be change. And everybody who get to understand would capture the change. It, it shall not be hidden. And that's salvation. It's a landmark. And so, you may be asking, like Nicodemus did, and say, how can this happen? On what basis? Considering the fact that we were conceived and born into sin. Right, right that is true. But then, the basis of the new life all abound in the word of God. God. Yesterday, when we had the teaching on justification, we were told about Proverbs twenty-eight, fourteen, That he that covered his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall find mercy. That's one. There's another one in First John chapter 1 verse 9 said if we confess our sin that God God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that is the basis of the new life you don't pay money the deal has been done he said don't deal Jesus has paid the price and the provision has been accepted in heaven. All you need to do is to claim with sincere heart you confess your sins and God sees your heart and the power of the gospel will come in. Something will happen. You will know it. He said the spirit of God will bear witness that you are a child of God. Your name will be written in heaven. And the joy will flood your heart. That's transformation. That is transformation. John chapter 3. Verse 8 talks about the sound of the wind. If there's wind in this place, it will pull down trees, houses. And then you see, you don't need to be asked, though. Something has happened. You would know that something has happened here. Because you've seen it. It's visible. And. If you look at. The last sentence. Of that. Portion of the scripture. Verse 8. Of John 3 said. So also. You see. All those that are born. In spirit. Yes, the change will be clear. You see it. We remember at gathering there was this demon possessed. We are told he cannot put on cloth. They bound him in chain, with a new chain he will cut it. Cheer every cloth. He lived in cemetery, cutting himself on the tombstone. Nobody can tame him. Screaming and shouting, he was a menace to that community. Nobody will get near to that area. But we are told one day something happened. The gospel got to that island for Jesus Christ is the gospel. Something changed. There was a big change. As Jesus stepped in that island, there was change. We also read about the story of the swine. And um, the keepers of the swine went into town to relay the story. So what happened to the swine? But when the community came out they were startled because as they alighted they, they captured a figure that they would never, never be mistaken. They knew him. They understand he's the person. He's no other, he's him. But one thing surprising to them is what has caused the change? What is the power that has caused this kind of change? For the notice that he woke, Lord. The Bible said he was sitting with his right mind. He was composed. He had no chain in the hand. He was no more in the, in the cemetery. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. I don't know whether he was discussing with Jesus. It's been a big change, and um, you see something about salvation is so much that no human can explain in detail what is in salvation. It's better experience. We look at this man. The community asked Jesus to go, please leave us. But because before Jesus left that island, he has made a disciple, not from the people, but from this demon possessed. And Jesus can trust him. He gave him a commission. Because when Jesus wanted to depart, the man went close and told him. I would go with you if you can change my life set me free from prison I have lived my whole life in the cemetery but now I am free please let me go with you Jesus said no 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 I have work for you he said go home to your people I cannot come there I cannot come to them but you go on my behalf and tell what great things the Lord has done for you. Amen. That's a commission to go and preach. And what we want to ask oh, this has been, a, if you don't mind, a madman, a demon. He spent his whole life in cemetery. And then you ask, there is no school in cemetery, no institution. What is he going to teach? What is he going to preach? Jesus has given him the topic of the sermon. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. That is enough preaching. No wonder that blind man, born blind, and when they said, give God the glory, you know that man is a sinner. Don't mind that man. The man said, whatever you call him, I do not know. Uh, One thing I know, Whereas I was blind But now I see That is the gospel That's the power of the gospel When salvation comes into your life You don't need to learn how to preach For the scale will come out of your eyes And your wisdom will return And you know you understand the gospel. No wonder uh, the choristers will sing and they say, I don't know the why, I don't know the how, but I can take you to the place where Jesus saved my soul. Oh, this blind man and the demon possessed can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's real change there's power there's power in the gospel to do positive change yes. and God will do wonderful things in this committee. Yes. we shall not so fast forget Saul of Tarsus. the story has it that he persecuted the church deadly and his very name was a threat to the little Christian community in Damascus. Such that even when the master himself, Jesus, was discussing with Ananias, Ananias listened. He listened. And Jesus talked to him. When Jesus got to the point, he mentioned Saul of Tarsus. Oh, Ananias said, ah, Lord, no, this man I've heard of him oh. He hold people into prison What do you do with this man? <laughs> Jesus had to give him reassurance He said, don't worry Go your way It's not the soul you knew Something has happened to him It's a new soul Go thy way Oh wonderful, there's power in salvation It is true that Something did happen to Saul To change him If you look at Acts of the Apostle chapter 9 I'm reading verse 20 He said And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue That he is the son of God Who is preaching? So, a Pharisee will be standing. They will never, never accept that Jesus is the Son of God. The Pharisees believe they are prophets. They believe Moses when he said that God will send a Messiah and that God will send a leader. They all believe, but not this Jesus. They were still expecting the Messiah. They will never, never accept that Jesus is the Son of God. Not to talk that He is the Messiah, the promised Messiah, but here, because of the power of the gospel, so he, he does not only accept, but is going out to preach to people that He is the Son of God. You can look at uh, Saint Mark's Gospel chapter 14, verse 61. As even Jesus' trial, the high priest was still insisting to bring that point out that Jesus is not the Son of God. He asked Jesus, Are you the Son of the Most High? But look at the disciples of the Jewish religion. Now standing out, he doesn't only accept, but is preaching to people that Jesus is the Son of God. And the Jews at Damascus wonder. They ask within themselves and um, started asking questions. What is this man doing? What confusion is this? Is this what this man that has put people in prison... That preach about this name. If you look at the latter verse, verse 22, when they have said this in verse 22, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell in Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. In other words, He's hitting the nail at the head. He's telling everybody, this is Christ. In other words, this is the Messiah. That is the power of the gospel. There's always change. It's a landmark of the gospel salvation. There's another landmark we want to look at, and that is prayers. And the altar, prayers and the altar. did you ever know that this altar benches, this altar is unique yes. in the church? Yes. Oh, please know, this is a landmark. Yes. We have to keep it. It's a landmark. Yes. Prayer is a trademark of the gospel. Our fathers prayed and reap the benefits of prayers. And God did many wonderful things in their days that if we get to memory lane, we can begin to draw out, we can begin to recall the many things, great things, wonderful things that the Lord did in our Father's days because of prayer in answer to prayers let's look at psalm open with me to psalm 44 psalm 44 verse 1 we have heard with our ears o oh god our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the time of old. How thou didst drive out the hidden with thy hand, and plantest them? How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out? For they got not the land in possession by their own sword but by the right hand and thy arm and the light of thy countenance because thou had favor unto them. That is what prayer did to our fathers in this gospel. And today by the grace of God we are still praying We start our service with prayers. We maintain the prayer room where workers meet for intensive prayers. And that is the first segment, the first part of our worship, prayer room worship. The second stage is the men's service. Right now, we are in the second stage. We are having the men's service. We have completed the prayer room service. We prayed in the prayer room. But as we come here, God will speak to people in different medium. God will speak through the congregational song special rendition by the choir. He will speak through testimonies we've had. God will speak through teaching Sunday school or the sermon. It is at the prayer, this altar. It is when we get to this altar, we shall have people who have the opportunity of talking back to God For what they learned, what they had, they'll have their own opportunity to talk to God. And that we are entering into the third part of our worship, the altar service. If for any reason we shall remove this altar from our church, God forbid. How can we invite people to come forward and pray? Because at this altar, God has been doing many wonderful things. Here, souls are saved. You see salvation, sanctification. You see baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing. This is wonderful. May God help us to keep this altar. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, God Himself told Moses, I would meet and commune with you at the mercy seat, this altar. This old fashioned altar is a landmark. May God keep this altar. We will go on to identify and look at another landmark of this gospel. And that is the way we do our service. We say timeliness and punctuality is a landmark. We start... Our meeting at fixed time, True. be it a wedding, funeral, other services. We have fixed time. Right. And when it is time, we start. Yes. The general public has come to take notice of this punctuality. We have heard that in one Of our concerts, a very prominent, high ranking official, government official, was invited to the concert. And in the invitation, the time of commencement was fixed there. And then he saw it, and maybe he thought it's one of those um, invitations, the normal thing everywhere. But he was surprised. He came a little after the time. But as he came in, the concert was on. He started. Nobody wait for anybody. That talked into the heart. He had to make a remark on that. He said, he look at the time that people can keep time. People can see, keep time. Oh, it's a wonderful heritage. If for any reason you have to start a meeting after the time, please politely apologize to the people. Because this is a standard. It has been. It shall be. God helping us. We will hand over the standard to our next generation. Another another landmark we want to observe is holy worship. Holy worship and the resultant presence and power of God. You know, when the power of God, the glory of God come into the midst of his people, something will be happening. That is as a result of holy worship. Our fathers maintained holy worship in this church. Whether they worship under the tree or in thatched houses, one thing was sure in their time they had the presence of God in their worship. Yeah. Why? Because they maintained holy worship. Yeah. May God help us to maintain holy yeah. worship. Yeah. In the case of Elijah, we are told when the other group, as it were, were tired. The man Elijah called them. Let's open to First Kings. First Kings, Chapter 18, Verse 30. First Kings, Chapter 18, Verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. Why? Elijah wanted them to see what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do, but he wanted these people, all of them, to see what he was going to do. They were all the children of Israel. They should have understood what Elijah knew. They should have known what Elijah knew. But we don't know why. But the Bible said, and Elijah said unto all the people, Come near. And when they came, look at that again. And all the people came near unto him. Let's look at the, the word that follows. He said, And he repaid the altar of the Lord that was broken. May God help us not to worship in broken altars. Elijah knew that if he should conduct worship in that broken altar, he would not find the presence of God. He must do the first thing first. And he walked on the altar, removed the debris, all those unwanted items, what would offend God, swept them out, cleaned the altar, set the altar, He he had the expectation of God with him always because he's a servant of God. You don't go to do something outside God's standard and you expect that God would honor. No, 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 no. He's no respecter of person. Elijah took his time to clean, make the altar holy, ready for worship. But what of the human instrument that will complete the worship? The man Elijah. What was his status? His status, if you don't mind. I can recall his encounter with Ahab, as recorded in First King, chapter seventeen. There's a clause here in that verse one, chapter seventeen, verse one. I'm not reading all the uh, the wordings of that verse. But that clause Elijah said before whom I stand. Have you seen that place? Have you seen that clause? Before whom I stand. That disturbed me and I was asking myself what does it mean by before whom I stand? and I get to understand that Elijah know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in the darkest place. He's in your place of work. He's in the market. He's everywhere. If you are a servant of God, you keep yourself holy. You shall be the same man. You can't do something outside Differently. Some husband and wife would fight. Husband would fight the wife. The wife would fight the husband. And when they come into the house of God, they will play the role. They will play a worker. No, 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 no. It's confusion. God sees. He said, Be you holy, for I am holy. You be holy in the church you be holy in the farm you'll be holy in the market. in the school, everywhere you'll be holy because God can call you at any time to function he will not give you time, you are a servant of God you must be ready at all time and that's why Paul trying to talk to some people the Romans, God said uh, I mean Paul said presents your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. And that is recorded in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Right. Though Timothy, Paul said the same thing in another way. Let us read 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 19, He said, Nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure Amen. having this seal the Lord knows them that are his. Yes. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from yes. evil. If you want to be a servant of God a vessel God can use. You must stay clean. Stay out of iniquity. That is the standard. And now the altar is clean, it's holy. And the human instrument Elijah is holy. And if you look at that 1st King chapter 18 from verse 16, it said, At the evening sacrifice, the man of God stepped forward in the presence of people and he lifted holy hands. For to conduct holy worship in the beauty of holiness. Amen. And he said, Hear me, O oh Lord, hear me. Amen. The Bible said, The fire of God came down. Amen. In our meetings, in our meetings, because God has condescended, He's given us promise. The glory of God will come down. Amen. Let us read second chronicles. Second Chronicles. Chapter two, chapter five, beg your pardon, second chronicles, chapter five, verse eleven. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not wait by course. And the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Haman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in the white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, Stood at the east end of the altar, and with them, an hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one man to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpet, And symbols and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason. Of the cloud for the glory of the Lord, have filled the house of God. Amen. The priests were sanctified with the Levites. God helping us here. Yeah? By special grace, all the instruments on the platform have been consecrated to the service of God. Amen. Amen. Everything being equal, they remain consecrated. Yes. If the priests and the Levites of today will sanctify themselves as they pick up this consecrated instrument of worship for to praise God. And this large congregation would join in praising God. Because we have to praise God. Yes. God has considered come down to give us a promise. He's made covenant with the church. And that covenant, he gave us a promise. He said he would do marvel. Yes. It is our duty to start praising God. We don't do anything, we praise God. We claim that it is done. We shall begin to pick the spoils. All of us. When we stand and we join in singing. Yeah. Heaven will open. Yeah. And the glory of God will come into this holy sanctuary. Yeah. And of course you know that when the glory of God has come down, soul shall be saved. Yeah. soul shall be sanctified. Yeah. Sick will be healed. Yeah. Fight blood will go. Yeah. The lame shall walk. Yeah. The blind shall see. Yeah. In this committee, God will do marvels. Yeah. This altar is open. The altar is open. God is here.